Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Superhero Ethics. Today's podcast is inspired by a, a sad event, but it's a chance to celebrate uh, a, a great life and uh, someone who had an incredible impact on a game that many of us love, Magic the Gathering. We're talking, of course, for those who are in the Magic the Gathering world know, Sheldon Meany. Sheldon Meany was a huge part of creating the Commander format and putting out ideas such as Rule Zero and other things that really encouraged something that went along with a lot of Commander, namely the idea of playing a game where the idea, the focus isn't necessarily on who wins, but as much as how does everybody at the table have a good time, while still having some friendly competition involved. And that's the kind of thing that I love talking about on this podcast in terms of just like, let's talk about what that culture is like and how to sustain it and, you know, challenges to it and, and other versions of, of things like that. Um, all in honor of Sheldon, who um, just did so much to really put forward these ideas and was just such a great friend to so many of us. And I have two really exciting guests. First is returning guest, Will Freeland. Will, I don't think we've had you on to talk about magic before, but I know you've talked about comics on here and a lot of other topics. Uh, Will, just quickly introduce yourself. Yeah. Uh, so Will Freeland, uh, Silver Dreamer pretty much everywhere on the internet. Um, I've been here before talking about uh, primarily Marvel stuff. Uh, talked a little bit about Star Wars. Um and uh, my online presence kind of revolves around Marvel and, and Lego and building brick stuff and hobbies. Uh, but uh, I also play a lot of Magic the Gathering. Um, I've made who knows how many commander decks. And uh, I always love as soon as I find that commander deck that I really like going and buying an altar of it and supporting some artist somewhere. Uh, my go to is a guy in Spain. Um, <laughs> to just awesome. and it's just so much fun uh, building a commander deck that is almost nothing like anything else I've seen from other people that make the same commander and uh, I think that's one of the best parts about this format in general definitely yeah Will and I we met I believe for the first time in person at a commander event at Command Fest Vegas and I'm also really happy that for the first time I have on a guest Niall Joan Rivers uh Many of you who are in the magic content creator space probably already know Niall, but for everyone else, um, please introduce yourself. Yeah, thank you. Um, I am Niall, Niall Joan Rivers on Twitch, Twitter, TikTok, wherever you can find me. Uh, I make Magic the Gathering content uh, of all varieties, really, but the main things I try to focus on are making queer-centric content. I'm in the middle of a series that I call Commander Versus, where we do a two-headed giant commander game that'll be like one queer group against another queer group. So we've done like Twinks vs. Dolls, Bears vs. Buys, Days vs. Gays, stuff like that. Just like silly little names, but it's a fun it's a fun way to bring that part mm -hmm. of the community to the forefront. Um, and I also try to focus on new player-friendly content. Um, I try really hard to lower the barrier to entry for magic as much as I can, because it's a very intimidating game for new people to pick up. And I try to make that easier for them. Definitely. I love that. And I love especially what you talked about there, because one of the things certainly that I've experienced, and we'll talk about this more uh, down the road uh, in this episode, is that while magic itself is slowly, but is becoming a lot more queer welcoming and and uh, friendly to, to all sorts of folks. Uh, the commander spaces that I've been in have been overwhelmingly where I found that the most. Um, uh, not exclusively by any means, and there's still a lot of work to be done, but it, it is a great connection I think we'll definitely be talking about. And 
let me actually just start with, because we are, this isn't going to be specifically about Sheldon Meany, but about kind of the ideas he put forward and things like that. And I want to focus mostly on the ideas. But first, just starting with Sheldon. Um, Niall, um, I don't know how much you had interacted with him or knew about his content, but kind of what, what did you know about Sheldon? Um, yeah, so I never got the opportunity to interact with him directly. Um, but I feel like his influence is very, very easy to identify and feel throughout the entire community, um, especially the commander side of the community. Um, mm-hmm. And it's been it's been really cool to get to see all of the all of the posts from all of my friends who did get to interact with him about what those interactions were like and how genuine and evolved of a guy he was. Um, yeah. It seems it seems like his impact was only positive. Yeah, one thing I was really struck by was how many people posted things like, I completely disagreed with Sheldon on everything he thought about how magic should be played. <laughs> Most of my online interactions with him were arguing back and forth, and I felt like we became good friends through that, which is... Given the the nature of most online discourse and how, you know, the fact that he was able to generally disagree with people in very friendly ways and things like that is just really a great statement to him. Will, what about yourself? Um, I guess this speaks more to his legacy than, uh, than anything else. But so I've never interacted with him, interacted with him. But. When I hear the name Sheldon, I think of magic before I think of Big Bang Theory. And I feel like <laughs> I feel like that's a statement in and of itself. That um, is a victory for geeks. <laughs> uh, but when yeah, when the news came out that he passed, uh my my Twitter because I had mentioned before we started recording that like half the people I follow on Twitter are magic people, and that's like the closest to me creating that being expressing my magic fandom as i currently am but uh my my feed was just full of anecdotes and stories about one-time interactions with sheldon in person or uh, seeing him at an event or um a small conversation that they had in passing or even uh especially the next day people rallying about in Sheldon's name, let's go to our local LGS and uh, promote um, magic and, and and teaching more people how to play magic and how to get into Commander and all this. Other. And just, again, to the same point that Nile made, like, Sheldon's impact is so much bigger than I thought it was. <laughs> and yeah. it's it seems to be primarily positive. And you, that, I mean, that's the dream. You can only yeah. hope to be that that positive in, in so many people's lives. I will just say a quick interruption. For those of you who mostly listen to this podcast because you want to know about the ethics of robots and vigilantism and superheroes, I promise we will explain some of these terms that we're talking about. You don't have to know uh, Commander, Magic the Gathering. Uh, we will explain what all that means in just a few moments, I promise. <laughs> uh, and now, though, let me as kind of a way of starting that, maybe talk to us a little bit about your journey, because I know you did not start in Magic as a Commander player. Yeah, not even a little bit. Um, so I first started playing Magic in 2007, around then, uh, when the Lorwyn set was out. Um, mm-hmm. I was given a pre-constructed deck of Merfolk, which for the non-Magic listeners are mer people, you know, mermaids, mermen, that kind of thing. Um, and I just immediately fell in love. I mean, I grew up as like a Pokemon kid, a Yu-Gi-Oh kid, 
It was like the mm-hmm. natural pipeline. I was I was built for it. <laughs> I was the target demo for sure. Um, but uh, fell in love immediately and played off and on, just kind of like with friends casually um, throughout middle school, high school. Uh, after all that, um, didn't seriously get into it until the last like year and a half or so, where I started mm-hmm. to. Uh, get really into the competitive scene in Magic, which actually started with a group called the VML, mm-hmm. which the VML is a Magic League that takes place online that is specifically for um, people of marginalized gender. So uh, women, non-binary people, trans men, stuff like that. Um, and I participated in their leagues and I did pretty well in them. And that just like got me more and more into the competitive scene. And since then, I've been doing a lot of uh, RCQs, um, which are regional championship qualifiers and other tournaments like that. And while doing all that, I'm also like making magic content on Twitch and all that stuff. And eventually that leads me into the commander area. And my... My experience so far with Commander players has been very positive. I've made a lot of really good Mm. friends in that space. I've made, I think, some of my best content in the Commander space and really just, like, kind of found a home for myself there. Um, Yeah, that's wonderful. But it's a very, it's definitely an interesting perspective uh, coming Mm -hmm. into the Commander scene from the competitive scene because it's the same game, it's the same cards for the most Mm -hmm. part, but totally different worlds very 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 different worlds yeah and that's a lot of what we're going to talk about today and i I, i'm so glad you are here because i think that one of the things that happens with commander and i I promise i'm about to give the explanation for it after this comment and replies (laughs) but i think one of the things that happens in commander is that because a lot of the commander world is not where the focus is not primarily on competition you know, there can be some defensiveness and some, you know, a kind of like Jets and Sharks thing happen where it's sort of like, oh, we're the good players and they're the competitive ones. And the competitive ones say the same thing. And I really love that you're coming from, you know, that you love both because I think that gives a needed perspective. Because, you know, even myself, I can sometimes be a little bit, uh, uh, you know, I try to gently tease my, my more competitive friends, but it can probably not seem as gentle sometimes. <laughs> and, and let me explain that a bit, but let me tell my own story about how I came into it uh, that I hope will give a good explanation for it. I played Magic Nile, I think, possibly before you were born, uh, certainly before a lot of my audience was born. Uh, I played in the very early days of Magic, Alpha, Beta, uh, in, the late ni- in the early 90s in high school. Kept playing through college. Most people stopped playing around that time. It, in the mid, mid-late 90s, people weren't really into it. Sold off my cards. Someone gave me $300 for a piece of cardboard just because it said Mox Emerald on it. I thought that was like the <laughs> most money in the world. I will never look at the price of it again. Um, <laughs> but I got into it. And it was a lot of fun. And I was I was decent at it. I was not great. I went to one or two tournaments. Didn't really love that. And eventually, like I said, kind of fe- fell out of it in mid-college. Then when I got back in um, some years later, um, I got divorced. I started looking for new community. And I started playing Magic again. And wound up getting into judging as well. And I really liked judging and I really liked, and I found that I kind of liked judging more because honestly, I just didn't have the, I didn't have it in me for the competition. I I loved playing. 
I loved limited especially, but like spending a whole bunch of money on a deck wasn't my thing. Doing all the research, like I want to really honor again, the, the amount of work competitive players put in is amazing. And like, I didn't want to play the Olympics. I just wanted to play in my backyard. And so I was happy mostly being a judge and playing some some events for free. And then at, at a gathering of, of queer folks in Madison, uh, I mentioned that I used to play Magic. And some people said, well, do you want to play Commander with us? And I said, what's that? And the way they basically explained it to me was it, it's a different kind of format. It's multiplayer. It's different kind of deck building rules. And the idea of it, as they saw it, and I think this is a big part of how Sheldon saw it, was that it was meant for people who wanted to enjoy this game more as a social activity than as specifically about winning, you know, and that it could be because they just wanted a way to hang out with their friends. It could be kind of as Will was saying, although don't let me put words in your mouth, uh, you know, a place to, there was a mechanic in a set three years ago that looked really cool, but it just wasn't good enough to function in, in standard or limited. And Commander's a way to build, you know, a ridiculous deck that just does something really fun because you don't need to build the most eff efficient deck possible. And so, yeah, so it was this kind of world of um, let's play the game and, and figure out how to have fun with it. Now, of course, the problem can be if one person's idea of fun is let's spend $10 on a deck and just let everyone go to town. And another person's idea is let's all spend $1,000 on a deck and hopefully someone has won by turn three and then we start over again. That's really going to get complicated. People are not going to often work. And what I think Sheldon Meany did, I don't know if he invented this idea or if he just kind of really helped to push it forward, because he was certainly a big advocate for it, was the idea of the rule zero conversation. And this is the idea that, like, before you sit down and play a game of magic with, with new people, you have a, a rule zero conversation, which is the let's decide it's not officially in the rules, but, like, at this table, we're going to ban this kind of card or we're going to say – uh, we're, we're changing this particular rule to make it a little easier for people to function, or we're going to do other things that I, as a judge and person who gets paid to host official magic events, cannot mention on air, but you might be able to figure out. Um, uh, well, that's not inherent to Commander, but that's something else entirely. Um, but yeah, and so that was kind of always my understanding of it, and of what Sheldon really gave it to it, is this idea of magic can be very competitive and that can be awesome and it might be that the social environment you really enjoy is hyper competitive and that's awesome too but that the focus is on how do we make a fun experience for everyone involved totally um yeah i uh i ran into i guess like a couple of issues that i had to solve when i first started getting into the commander world mm. from the competitive world um the first being having to adjust to the different um expectations of the table because yeah. like you sit down to play a 1v1 best of three at an rcq against your opponent you are both trying to crush each other you know like that <laughs> is the game if you don't hit a land drop on turn three I am going to choke you out the rest of the game. I don't care if you get to play another card. You know, like I, yeah. that's the game. And that's what we're both expecting. That's like our equal right. expectation. They're not going to get to the end and be like, how dare you? Like, you didn't even let me like play any of my cards. You know, like it's going to be like, yeah, I just didn't hit any lands and you capitalized yeah. on my disadvantage. Um, now, the other thing was I came into commander. My one commander deck was made of my Merfolk cards from when I first started playing. 
So I had a blue white deck. So I had counter spells. I had board wipes. I had <laughs> cards that exile your stuff. I had cards that bounce your stuff. And then I could also make a giant board of fish. Um, I had to learn other people's expectations of, mm. you know, when is it appropriate to wipe a board? When is it appropriate to counter something? When is it inappropriate to do these things? Because again, from the comp world, that doesn't matter. The appropriate yeah. time to do those things is when it wins you the game. And that's it. Yeah. Um, but in like a more casual format, like Commander tends to be, um, it was hard for me to figure out like, wait, what do you mean? Like, it upsets you that I countered your commander. Like, isn't that, that isn't that yeah. good? Like, doesn't that like ruin your plans? Isn't that great? Like, isn't that what we're here to do? Um, but I, what finally made it click for me is I started thinking about it through the lens of content creation, actually. Hmm. Cause when I play commander on stream, when I have people on before the stream, I always tell them like, Hey, our first objective is be entertaining. Our second objective is play magic. You know, like, yeah. I I don't care if any of you are, like, good or bad or whatever. I don't care what your decks are like. Make it fun. Don't make it, like, not fun to watch. Um, yeah. So doing that made it easy. Like, it clicks for me where I could be like, okay, is it more fun for me? Like, is it more fun for the table if I counter your spell? Or is it more fun for the table if I let your spell go through, even though I can counter it, even if it's worse for right. me. Uh, and, you know, this is like, this is very casual expectations. This is a very like, we're playing a board game together, not we're trying to win together. Um, yeah. Sometimes I think commander games, the expectation is more competitive. And I think that can be really fun. But, mm -hmm. you know, setting and meeting that expectation, I think is critical. Because if if any one person is not on the same wavelength as the rest of the table, it becomes a very awkward time very fast. Yeah. But as long as you all agree, like, this is the kind of vibe we're going for, you know, do whatever you got to do. Absolutely. I'm shutting up. We'll let you jump in. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I uh, to play off of the, like, the casual let things happen uh, mindset. Like I feel so. Cause I I've dipped my right pinky toe into competitive EDH versus where my decks typically sit are like high level, I guess is what's called where it's, it's strong and powerful, but it's not competitive because I don't run all of the $500 cards that, are better versions of what I run. <laughs> um, right. But so in the casual EDH community, you can build a deck just for fun and really just play around with a mechanic or, or, or a uh, um, creature type that you don't typically see in, um, in the competitive space and just go with it and just like flood the entire battlefield with random tokens um just because you had this 10 mana spell that you normally wouldn't be able to cast ever but you survived until turn 11 and you're like you know what it's time <laughs> i'm gonna create 114 uh flying one one pegasi why not and <laughs> it's it's 
it's so much fun because like I have a deck that just keeps on uh cycling my cards. Like I go it's a hundred card deck, but I draw like 150 times on average because I just keep on put looping my cards to the bottom of my deck and just draw and draw and draw. It's for Arjun the something something. I forget his title, but his name's Arjun. He's awesome. He's a Sphinx. But like drawing cards doesn't win me the game. <laughs> you know, like just like, conceptually, but like when you play something that's a little more chaotic and you have no idea if you're going to win, I, that's just so much more fun to me than yeah. playing the the lockout uh spells and the the instant uh just get rid of my deck and then drop down a thassa's oracle for the for the immediate win type stuff and it's just it, that's where you like really let your creative juices flow when you're playing casual and you're just like well let's just see how this goes yeah i i'm very much of that mindset some of my if i would describe some of the best games of magic i've ever played some of them are games I've won, but some of them are games I've lost. Where, But I got to do this really amazing thing that knocked out two of the players, but didn't quite get there. And so the third was able to destroy me in like a, a half a turn because I was, you know, had completely spent all my resources. And I, I think it ties back to uh, what, what Niall was saying. Because I love what you said there about the, that it has to be about the shared expectations. Because... There's no reason for me to go down and sit down with a couple of competitive players and be like, no, 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 my version of magic is better. That <laughs> it isn't. It's just what Will and I love and what, what Miles sounds like you sometimes love. And to me, that should really be the goal there of not trying to decide which one's better, but just how do we create that space for the people who want one kind of magic to find each other and, and, and others others? Because I did go a little bit of a same thing in that I wanted a casual thing where everyone just got to do their thing. But to me, the fun way to play is I will counter all of your things, fully <laughs> expecting that eventually you'll get something through and and you probably will win. It turns out that not everyone finds that as fun as I do. <laughs> but I, like I have a good friend who's a Stax player. Stax is is that kind of lockout kind of game. And she and I have had some great games with other maniacs who can convince that this is fun where she's trying to lock everyone out and I'm trying to figure out how to counter everything she's doing. And the other two players are just like, what in the world is going on? Um, but it's cause we can, you know, it's, there are people who find things fun that I don't think find fun. And that's, it goes both ways and that's perfectly fine. Well, and I'm a big believer in you can power up or down just like your piloting of a deck yeah. to oh, yeah. meet a table's expectations. Because, like, I think a lot of times people have this misconception that they're like, I have this deck that I can only play in, like, really casual pods. And this deck yeah. that I can only play in really competitive pods. But mm. for me, I'll play any deck in any pod. And if we, you know, like, I've got, like, my Kalia deck, which is pretty mean. If she comes out, you know, like, on turn four, she's swinging. I'm bringing out, like, Avacyns and all sorts of, like, big scary creatures. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it's got a lot of like brutal stuff in the deck, but if we sit down and we're like, we're going to do this casual, I'm just going to play different. Like I'm going to play yeah, more casually, absolutely. you know, like if I have platinum angel, maybe I'm just not going to put her on the board for those non-magic listeners. Platinum angel is a creature with highly oppressive text that says, <laughs> uh, your opponents cannot win the game and you cannot lose the game. So until they can deal with platinum angel, no one's winning except for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So, you know, like if we're not in a competitive, you know, I'm not going to put down Platinum Angel and give it Hexproof, you know, like I'm not, I'm just not going to do that. Whereas also on the flip side, I've been in pods before where people are like, here's the deck I'm playing. And I'll be like, I'm just going to play this pre-con. And they're like, oh, if you're playing a pre-con, I should power down my deck. And I'm like, no, you play what you want. I'll play my pre-con. It'll be fine. And then, you know, like I win the game or whatever. And it's like, it just, like you can play at a competitive level with your lower power decks and you can play at a lower power level with your more competitive decks. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, and especially, I love that, especially because for one thing, like I love the example you used a while ago about if you sit down next to your opponent and they stumble on lands, which is basically like assembling your resources at the start of the game so that you can do more things. You're just going to cut them off and, and, and take over the game. In Commander, a lot of times, if one person of the four is really kind of struggling like, no one, in general, like, no one's going to just, like, knock them out of the game early. Because right. that's just considered, like, no, give them a chance. I I did play in a group where someone was, they started building their decks to always go slow because they figured they could take advantage. And so some of us had to be like, come on, man. You, you got to, like, not try that. But the other side of it, I think this kind of goes into what you're saying, is that, like, building the deck is an important skill. Playing the deck is an important skill. But any multiplayer game also adds a whole other skill, which is politics and bluffing. And which <laughs> I, I primarily as a poker player, it's why I really love EDH because I'm really good at convincing people that, no, this person over there, you need to be afraid of them. Don't look at the really good cards I just dropped. I'm only doing it to help you against them. Um and, and politics is like, and and but some EDH groups will be like, no politics, and that's also totally fine because some people think I'm a maniac for enjoying that kind of stuff, <laughs> and that's again totally fine. But it's, it it is nice that it, it, like there are definitely games where I have felt like I have the worst deck, and I'm not as good at you as playing the game, but if I identify early who's the biggest threat, I can make sure they get knocked out before I do, and that's just you know it just it it, it just adds another skill set that can be really fun. Yeah, I um. I love politicking and and commander. I think it's I think it's one of the most fun aspects of the game and probably one of the biggest reasons to play it. Um I had a, a game recently where there was one player that was just dominating and it was very much like he's probably gonna win. And then there was another player who she was kind of struggling, but she had mm-hmm. sort of amassed a little bit of a board and it was about to be her turn, and I was like, all right, listen. If you don't attack me this turn, I'm going to cast Scheming Symmetry next turn, which is a card that says me and target opponent both find a card, put it on top of our deck. Uh, But I can choose anyone at the table who also gets that benefit. And I was like, if you don't attack me, I will target you with Scheming Symmetry. You can get any card you want. You can stabilize, whatever. But then I was like, if you do attack me, I'm going to target this guy who's probably definitely going to win. And we're just all going to lose. Like I will, I will blow this table up if you don't take this deal. Yeah, and she took and, the deal, and, so it was great. And it's also it's one of the reasons why I think one of the best ways to play Commander. And, and again, for those who aren't into Magic, I promise we're going to branch this into a larger conversation about community in just a few moments. But but I think all of this can tie into community building uh, pretty clearly. But I, I would just say one other kind of addition to that is the. Um, it's fun to just sit down with like some random people and play commander, but I'm honest, I'll be honest, I very rarely do that. Mostly I I like to play with the same group of people because A, 
we all get to know each other and we all get to kind of know our things. And we can say like, you know, in the group chat, hey, I have kind of a more powerful deck. Can people bring more powerful decks this time? Or, hey, do you mind if we have like this thing that we often don't have? So that can be great. But also, if I sit down with three random people and play commander and I offer someone a deal and I stab them in the back, okay. But if you do that in a group of friends, that person's going to remember. And A, it might be harder for you to do deals next time. But also, like, I've seen times where someone did that a couple times and someone just sat down and said, I want everyone to know the goal of my game is to defeat them. Like, (laughs) anything else is fine because they just have stabbed me in the back so many times. And, like, it just – like any community, you know, you you got to – the fact that, like, every interaction that happens in the game is also just going to play into the larger relationships you're building, I I just love. I will sometimes say the, like, telltale games text out loud when someone targets me and I'll be like, Niall will remember this. (laughs) <laughs> oh, <that's> so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And entertaining, I'm sure. Yeah. I have a thing well, about so planeswalkers. The... Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, <What's that? laughs> well, no, just anytime someone plays a planeswalker, I I'm known for trying to immediately remove that planeswalker. Planeswalkers got introduced after my time in magic, and so I'm I I still refuse to accept that they're <laughs> They're in my magic. Hashtag my magic. But uh, <laughs> if someone brings out a planeswalker, it needs it needs to leave. I do not abide by planeswalkers. I mean, when I came back to magic, I didn't understand planeswalkers. But it's been like ten or fifteen years, bro. Like, it might be time. To <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Michael Keaton was really good as Batman, but there have been other Batmans. <laughs> well, so let's kind of broaden this out a bit because. To me, all the things we're saying, especially kind of – to let's kind of broaden this out a bit because to me, all the things that we've been saying, and especially from both of you, about like you know setting social expectations and like – am I right in thinking that that's kind of just a mirror of what happens in any community or like how we build communities and, and friendships and friend groups and the like? Yeah, I think definitely. Um, I mean – this happens all the time when making friends or having friend groups, you know, like if you're, if you're not all on the same page about like the expectations of your friend group, it's Mm -hmm. not going to work. You know, like if you, if you have a friend group where like some of them are like, Hey, we're going to hang out once a week, twice a week, whatever. This is like what we're committing to. And some of you can't make that happen. Like it's, it gets uncomfortable because some of these people have these expectations that you're going to be committing all this time that you just like don't have or don't want to spend. Whereas, you know, some friends you have, maybe the expectation is set that like, Hey, we're going to see each other like twice a year, but those two times are going to be really solid. Yeah. You know, like I think it's very common for someone to be like, this is my best friend who I've known since I was five. Uh, We talk once a year, but it's like a big catch up session, you know? And, (laughs) Um, as long as everyone's on the same page about that and everyone is cool with the relationship taking that form, that's fine. But if people don't have matching expectations, then like those relationships just aren't going to work. Yeah, absolutely. I, w- I guess I will say uh, playing Magic the Gathering with both strangers and my friends has uh, helped me develop my communication skills about expectations specifically. <laughs> Um, yeah it's also it's also taught me um the importance of grammar <laughs> and uh the difference between you know like may or not may <laughs> and you know stuff like this so like you know magic the gathering just in general is 
uh, ingrained in my blood for the, you know, the adult that I've seen myself come become. Um, yeah. But yeah, communication, setting expectations. Uh, you can't. It's hard to have a universal good time without that. Yeah, totally. One of one of my favorite examples that I've seen of this, where someone clearly had like learned the language from magic, because as I said, there was you know this rule zero conversation. It's that like let's it's the specific let's set our expectations. I was with a group of friends who often play EDH, and there was a birthday party for one of them that did involve a lot of friends who were from outside that particular group. And within that group, it was the kind of folks who just, if you said anything that could in any way be taken as a sexual innuendo, they were going to say it. <laughs> and and so one of them just said, hey, it's great meaning, like, you know, can we just have a rule zero conversation about the conversation and sexual innuendo? And, like, <laughs> half the people were like, what do you mean? But the rest of us were like... That's actually brilliant because what Got he meant it. was he just was like, hey, what is the, you know, this is something that some of us enjoy in conversation but can make other people uncomfortable. Let's figure it out. And like the people who aren't used to that were like, that's really weird, but really kind of awesome. Sure. Yeah. Let's figure that out. We figured out, like, yeah, it was the, some of them were a little less comfortable. So we adjusted it as needed. And it was just, it was just such a great example of using this kind of, you know, tech to, to say, yeah, we're in a new group. Let's just, let's talk and figure this out. Yeah, and I think like all relationships, and for the record, I feel like the word relationship applies to a lot more than a lot of people think. Like, I think every connection between two humans is a relationship. I think you and I have a working relationship. And Mm -hmm. I think even if you look at like our Discord messages together, we had like a rule zero conversation about this recording right now, where you know. We're, huh, we're thought about that. Yeah, we set expectations about like when we're gonna do it, how long we're gonna be doing it for, um, what we're gonna discuss. Um, you know, is it gonna be filmed or just recorded? Am I expected to record? You know, like all these things. We got on the same page about what it's gonna be, and now we can do it, and it's a smooth and easy time because we're both on the same page about it. Yeah, I love that. I never thought of it in those terms, but you're so right, and. Part of why I think it becomes so important is especially when you're trying to, and EDH is an example of this, find people who share a common interest. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I think another version of this I've seen is within the Star Wars community. Because there's an awful lot of people who like talking about Star Wars uh, online, and some of them come from it from very different perspectives. And I quickly realized, like, I don't want to talk to people who are going to constantly make me defend liking Rey or, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking Mm -hmm. that maybe women have a place in Star Wars or, or queer people have a place in Star Wars. And and so little kind of sub-communities have formed themselves. And that and that's more of a clear, like, good and bad. Sure. Um, Light side, uh, dark side. Yeah, exa- uh, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but I think it could also be true of, like, I've definitely gone to gatherings of, you know, polyamorous people or, like, music lovers or disabled people or non-binary folks, which I am, and, you know, found, like, like I remember when going to a polyamorous group in New York – Always I had like every polyamorous community I've been a part of until then was very geeky. And I made a sci- science fiction reference in this particular group in New York and no one got it. <laughs> it was like the cool kids from high school had discovered polyamory. And like they were nice people. They were great. It just wasn't really my community. But we kind of had to have a little bit of like, you know, I think in a lot of these spaces, if you're able to have more of that rule zero conversation of like, yeah, this is the level of, you know, discourse we're expecting. And this is the kind of, you know, respect we want to have. Um a lot of formal meetings, you know, if you have a meeting that says, like, 
please don't interrupt. Step up, step back. You know, we want everyone to, to try and speak, but, but leave room for others to speak. Use I statements, stuff like that. All of that is a rule zero conversation. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up polyamory because I think no one is doing rule zero better than the poly community. If you ever, mm-hmm. if you've ever been involved, if you've ever either been in a polyamorous relationship or gotten involved with someone in one, there's like immediately just like this litigious conversation of like, here's how we do it. Here's our rules. Here's our boundaries. You know, like, this is what I do. This is what I expect. And like anyone who's in a successful, healthy polyamorous relationship is like no stranger to this conversation and has to be having it with any potential partner encounter whatever i completely agree with you in terms of the theory of polyamory (laughs) i also need to say my sweet summer child if that has been your experience in polyamory i am so envious of you okay i want to be very clear that i said any successful healthy polyamorous i've seen the bad side of polyamory don't you worry but they were not having those conversations yeah no, it's really true. And it's I think it's it's, you know, workplaces like if you you know going into a workplace, I think I, I've been watching The Office recently and just continually re- reminding myself like these are people who I mean, part of the problem with the rule zero conversation is it assumes some level of everyone's on the same power level. And when you have <laughs> uh, power dynamics, it can be really hard. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, I end up sorry about the Go ahead. rule zero to, to make it about me. Um, no, please. <laughs> I I tend to have to kind of navigate a rule zero type situation when talking about like Marvel stuff Um, because over the last like decade and a half more people know about who Iron Man is and who Captain America is or they saw you know the uh, the X-Men movies and then they come to me and ask and try to have a conversation about um, XYZ uh marvel property but their only frame of reference is from the movies when they don't know where i'm coming from and we have a difference of opinion on how something went down because we came from two different two very different experiences and it has led to i guess for lack of a better phrase awkward conversations um because we didn't have this rule zero (laughs) like where Mm -hmm. are you coming from with this what's your frame of reference how can i you know tailor my response (laughs) to whatever question you're about to ask me how do how do you feel about thor being a woman and like random stuff like that because i don't know where you're coming at me from and so if there was this socially established rule zero for just the way that everyone interacts with everyone we would be such a happier (laughs) community (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i totally get that i have definitely started um because i think what you're talking about marvel is very similar to in star wars and other online communities like that and i've started if if a new person messages me i'm always really thrilled by it but i'm often going to check like a little bit of their you know facebook or twitter or whatever and be like (laughs) okay do i see some stuff in there that indicates to me that we are not starting or ending with the same frame of reference then I might just be like, yeah, that's an awesome opinion. Thanks for sharing it. Instead of like, let's let's engage here. Cause yeah, I, I I've definitely been I, I, I've definitely been kind of suckered in there a little bit. Um and it's just, you know, sometimes and, and sometimes it's like, again, things where it's like, you know, I'm not gonna say like homophobia or queerphobia or uh, you know, sexism or racism or any of that are like equally valid positions. They're definitely not. 
But I do think there are also some things where it's like, you know, I respect someone who's just like, I think that everything that, you know, like, I hate the original movies of Star Wars and it's just not my thing. I'm like, okay, that's totally legitimate. We are not going to have a productive conversation. So I'm just going to kind of probably move on, you know. <laughs> so I think one of the things that is also really interesting about how this all plays out, this is kind of pulling it back a little bit to magic itself, but I think it can, it, it really is illustrative of all of this, is that you both kind of uh, pointed out that, you know, while Commander may have been really set up as this happy little land of no one wants to win and everyone wants to have fun, and that's mythology, to be sure. Like, it's always about, you know, there's always been some level of competition. But now there's becoming more and more of, wait, but what if we do really want to win? What if it is the way we want to have fun? And it has emerged to the point where actually CEDH, competitive, uh, EDH is Elder Dragon Highlander. It's another name for the Commander format. There's a whole set of politics there that I can't discuss for another two months till my NDA runs out. But <laughs> putting, putting that aside... Um, like, I'd love to hear your both thoughts on that, because I think a lot of people within the, I think there's been a lot of tension between Commander and CEDH, and a lot of it has resolved around this kind of Rule Zero stuff, and I think, I, I kind of see a lot of fault on both sides, I don't really, I'm not, we're not here to really adjudicate that necessarily, but just talk about, like, what has that been like in terms of seeing this more competitive side of, of Commander Evolve? I think, first of all, Everyone who plays Magic needs to just, like, chill out a little bit about everyone else who plays Magic. Hell yes. <laughs> I just... We're all playing the same game. We're all on the same team. You're not... You're not mad at me. You're, you know... I don't know who you're mad at, but... It's mm -hmm. not It's not the Commander players. It's not the Comp players. It's not the CEDH players. Uh, it's not their fault that whatever cards you didn't like got printed. Um, yeah. So I think everyone needs to chill out a little bit, first of all. Yep. Um, second of all, I think that the benefit to competitive formats like CEDH or Modern Pioneer or whatever is it circumvents the Rule Zero conversation a little. You know, like a, mm -hmm. there's like a there's a pre-agreed upon social contract entering into these things, which I touched on a little bit earlier. But, you know, you sit down in one of these games and you are expecting everyone to do everything in their power to beat you. They are not going to do anything to make sure you have a fun time. It's not about that. It is about trying to beat you. And for me, and I think for most competitive players, that is the source of the fun. You know, knowing that like you are going to do everything in your power to beat me means that if I beat you, then like there's nothing you could have done to stop me, right? Like you did everything you could think to do to stop me from winning and I still won that's amazing that's an amazing feeling that's why I do it it's fun it's just it's just fun um I think I think that uh it makes it makes total sense that CEDH would form out of EDH because mm -hmm. you know it can get even when you're having these rule zero conversations it can get a little tricky Especially if we're talking about like how strong is your deck, which I think is sort of a useless conversation to have. Agreed. Period. Especially if you're using like a one to ten thing, yeah. you know, because mm -hmm. you know there's like the meme of like every deck's a seven or whatever. Um, but because of the meme, it makes it even more impossible to say what. Because what if your deck is a seven? You can't say it. So now you either have to say it's a six or an eight. It's just like it's impossible. Yeah. It's useless metric. It's impossible. And like I said earlier, you can power up or power down your own skills. So, you know, maybe I say 
I've got a deck that's a five and you say I've got a deck that's a nine and then we play together anyway but maybe I'm just like better at magic than you you know and maybe I'm just like playing differently than you're playing and it feels like I didn't bring a five and you didn't bring a nine and so Mm -hmm, like were we dishonest or were we just piloting different you know like it's it's complex like it's rule zero is not an easy conversation to have because not everyone's speaking the same language all the time so if you want if you like commander and you also like all the stuff that comes with the competitive side of magic then like of course you're going to want to marry those two things well i think i think competitive anything is just the natural outcome of multiple people playing multiple games over and over and over again i mean like you know you have your pet deck as soon as it loses you start looking into how to make it better and then just eventually enough people go through that iteration enough times and you're going to have this community that just has like the most tuned and tweaked versions of their deck um but i will say that going from for me personally going from my play group and how we have like uh made ourselves get stronger and have better decks and learn how to play and learn how to read the board to take my experience there and then go to a con and then sit down with randoms and they're like hey you don't want to play i'm like sure absolutely let's do a pickup game so rule zero what can, you know what are you what are you working with i'm like I, i've got goblins i don't what, what do you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i don't know what else to tell you other than i'm gonna run a mono red deck it, it really likes tokens and it tries to do mean things with it i don't know where that sits in terms of power level for me i don't know where that sits in terms of power level from your perspective but yeah i've been told that this is high power so here you go and but like i don't i could never even begin to tell you what that means <laughs> Yeah, I think it's so true. And I'm going to make a weird analogy here, uh, but I think it makes sense because you're talking for about monogamy and polyamory. I, I think you're right that that polyamory requires a rule zero conversation in part because, like you said, with competitive magic, like most competitive games, there's an assumed rule zero. I think the cultural assumption of monogamy is the assumed rule zero. Mm-hmm. And the, the you know, what I would say there, in, in that case, though, it's not exactly the same, because I think part of the thing is that, uh, and again, here, I don't think polyamory is better. I just think that the way monogamy is taught and understood is problematic in that it's the same thing. Most people say, like, don't get too close to someone else. Okay, well, what the hell does that mean? You know, mm-hmm. and someone thinks that texting someone of the gender you're attracted to late at night is cheating. And someone else says that like doing these kind of karaoke with them is cheating. And someone else thinks like, no, all that's fine. Just don't kiss them. Or someone else thinks kissing is fine. Just don't like, mm-hmm. like there isn't photo really a on you- Instagram's not okay. <laughs> like- right. And like, <laughs> and, and even with magic, I would say like, I have been in places where some amount of trash talking is completely legitimate and expected. Um, and other places where that would get you thrown out of the store or at least given a strict warning and then maybe thrown out of the store. Um, so all, all that just to say to say that and then specific to magic, I, I agree with you that, yeah, that so one of the things that can make Rose Zero so much better is when you get more specific, you know? Mm-hmm. So like in my play groups, it was never really officially said until we all kind of realized like, yeah, we're doing this. Let's just agree on this. The general rule is you don't use tutors for win cons. 
You know, what I mean by that is like tutors are kind of card that goes and finds another card. Um, And so because the idea being that one thing that we like is, as you were saying, Will, the chaos and that you don't you have a hundred card deck. Each one is different. You don't know what you're going to get. And so every time a person plays a deck, they're always tutoring for the same card to win the game the same way. That's just not what we find fun. Mm. Others, it's, you know, you don't like the fast mana cards, the the cards that allow you to build up resources really fast. Like others, it's more, you know. Um, it, it, you know, whatever it is, it's the, um, it's how do you have that conversation that gets a lot more specific? Cause you're right. When it's just power level, it, we can be saying the same words, but mean totally different things. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's, I think it's really tricky. I think, I think honestly what people need to try and be better at is, uh, kind of managing this on the fly a little bit in mm-hmm. games because I think for me a lot of a lot of how this goes is very improvisational you know it's very yeah. kind of like what you said earlier like if someone's stuck on two lands I'm gonna like treat them with kid gloves until they get yeah. set up I'm not gonna mm-hmm. even if like you know if I was in like a tournament playing like a comp a competitive format um, I'm just gonna bully that person until they're dead you know, like, right. I'm just going to be like, oh, you've exposed a weakness. I'm going to take advantage of it. That's the game. Uh, yeah. But this is like a casual format that's made for fun. Something I'll say a lot um, in Commander games, especially on stream, is I'll start my turn and I'll look at a person who I know I can kill that turn. And I'll say, hey, do you not want to be playing anymore? Do you not want to be in this game any longer? <laughs> Which is kind of like a very... Your life. It's yeah. kind of a very intimidating thing to ask somebody, but it's <laughs> it's a very gracious question, you know, to be like, hey, yeah. do you want to keep playing or are you good? Because like Those I could take you out. Right I could I could take you out right now. And, you know, sometimes people are like, yeah, go ahead, take me out. And sometimes they're like, please, one more turn, I beg. And I'm like, all right, I'll <laughs> yeah. just, you know, whittle down this other person, no big deal. And maybe they take their turn and they go off and they win. Um, but that's cool because like, yeah. We're all just we're all just goofing off. I think it's then important. it's our win. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> I helped you get there. Um, yeah. But uh, I think it's also important to be very clear and honest throughout the game, before and during, about like what your deck is doing, and like what is threatening about it. Like when mm-hmm. I play my Kalia deck um, before the game, I'll be like, I'm gonna get Kalia out the first turn I'm available to do so. If you don't have an answer for her, that's bad news for you. Like you right. need to have an answer for her. She might be able to swing the turn she comes out. You know, like you need to be prepared for that. And then like they know before they even draw their hand, like I need to mulligan until I have like at least one removal spell. I need to answer Kalia yeah. or I'm dead. Um, and if they don't do it, like I I did my best. I'm like I'll play her and be like, all right, yeah. she's here. Like. I'm not going to tell you what's in my hand, but you can bet there's an angel or a devil or whatever in here. You know, like, it's going to get scary if you can't do anything about it. Or when I play my Merfolk deck, I'll be like, hey, I played this guy. It's going to next turn. Let me go get this thing. I could potentially take infinite turns, just so you know. Yeah. You know, like, just yeah. be... Because there's so much to keep track of. There's like a million cards to know. It's It's unfair to your opponents to be like... Yeah. You should know. Just in a game I had the other night, someone was choosing where to put a single point of damage. And I was like, hey, I know the board state is really crazy right now. Just so you know, this 1-1 creature is the one you want to kill. And they're like, okay, thank you. And I'm like, yeah, you're welcome. 
I love that. And I know that it ties in really well to something you were talking about at the very beginning, which is how do we make this game more friendly to new players? Because in many ways, EDH is the game that a lot of new players are finding, in part because it is a social thing. It is, hey, I'm having friends over to the house to play this game Tuesday night. Do you want to come and join? I can teach you the game. But it also, like, to people who know the rules, that seems absolutely, you know, bonkers because it is so much more complicated mm-hmm. rules-wise. And I know that can be a real feel-bad is if you're invited to and you're constantly in a situation of like, oh, I-, I didn't know that when you did that it would lead to this. And so and so I think helping players like that is so great. And, and so that leads me to a question of like, how do you – that's a great example. But beyond that, what else do you do to kind of help make EDH – more friendly to new players because I think it can be super intimidating when it's all these cards people don't know people don't want to ask to read every single card but there's so much things on the board how do you how do you build that community and that's to both of you um so I'm not personally a MTG content creator so I can only speak from like the experiences that I've been part of but um I want to I want to add my uh star of approval for the like open communication like i've been i've had the opportunity to be on a couple of different uh creators twitches twitch channels playing uh with absolutely brand new people and being open about my deck and them being open about their deck of like hey since you guys didn't counter this or if you don't counter this these this is the cascade of things that's going to happen and i'm going to win just uh I've never had that experience in person, like at a con- at, at an event or anything. And so like, I feel like the format of all of us being not in front of each other and staring down each other's uh, uh, boards uh, has um, ended up creating a situation where, oh, hey, look, communication is important. And so we're more open about this kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. From my experience, when I'm, when I've been playing with like with my neighbor, uh, he's he plays and he has a very different power level. Or, cool, I just perpetuated it. But he plays very <laughs> differently <laughs> uh, than me and my friends do. Like for whatever reason, he and his friends don't even track commander damage because for X Y Z reason, I don't entirely know why. But because it's annoying to do, sure. I guess. And so <laughs> that's my frame of reference. And so I know that they haven't seen a handful of cards or text that um, I will be bringing to the table. And so when I first play a card, I'll play it up. I'll play it facing them so I can just mm-hmm. easily show them and just be like, hey, I'm going to play uh, Goblin Engineer, I guess. And so like I'll, I'll scoot it over and let them read it. And like I'm not going to play the three cards that this main phase one that I want to play. Uh, until everyone understands each card that I am going to play, um, and so like it's it just slows down the pace um, from what you as the deck owner might be used to, but from a uh, community and bringing new people and teaching new things perspective, letting people read the cards and not expecting everyone to know every single damn card because there's only a few thousand, um, <laughs> uh, it just makes things easier for and i i feel like makes for a better experience with the whole pod the whole table yeah um so i've i've brought a ton of people into magic i'm very Mm -hmm. familiar with teaching someone how to play magic i think i'm pretty good at teaching people how to play magic 
for starters, I would say I would never teach someone magic with Commander. That's yeah, never what I would <laughs> what I would do. Um, I think Commander is the game that like you learn magic and then you can like play Commander. Um, but the way that I the way I always start when I'm teaching people in person is you know I'll get a couple of pretty simple decks. We'll do like a one v one, but we'll both play with our hands exposed. So both yeah. play with our hands exposed and I'll like walk them through their turn, their phases, what they can do. We'll talk about options because they'll be like, oh, I could play this creature or this creature. And I'll be like, which one do you think you should play? Why do you think one's better than the other right now? Get them to start like thinking like a magic player. And we'll do that one or two times and then play a game with our hands closed and do that. Uh, and then, you know, just wait till they get the hang of it. But it's so hard with Commander because there's four board states. Uh, there's potentially like 400 unique cards at the table. In your deck, there's definitely like upwards of, you know, 99 unique cards or 100 unique cards um, that you could have just on your own. That's so much. Like, that's so much to draw a hand and there'd be seven different cards you've never seen. And they're like, all right, take your turn. Like, what do you mean? I have to read yeah. like a novel before <laughs> I can even like understand what's going on here. Uh, so I think just like guiding players through it as best as you can, being very clear about like what you have and what's scary. And yeah. I mean, if someone's new enough, you kind of need to just like, I don't want to say like baby them, but like you need to treat them like the player who's stuck on two lands at least a little bit, yeah. you know, Very because so. you all need to be cognizant of the fact that they aren't like, it's going to take more for them. Like everything they're doing is harder for them because they're learning everything as you're laying it down. And you're just like, all right, I play this, this, this trigger, 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 like all this stuff. Yeah. that's like automatic for all of us who've been playing it for a long time, but just like, extremely overwhelming for a new player yeah. and yeah. I, I think it's also important to let them know when they can turn their brain off a little bit you yeah. know you're like hey this person's like doing this like combo thing don't even worry about it like you yeah. you're yeah. tapped out just let it go <laughs> just just let it happen we're just gonna see what shakes out at the end of it who cares yeah. you know like you do not need to be tracking this and then like the relief that washes over their face and they're like oh thank god <laughs> like i was so confused and i was like yeah, yeah don't worry it's it's weird yeah, I used to teach magic at a store I helped run uh, where I managed their events, and I, I'm the same way. I would never teach someone EDH, mm -hmm. but I certainly know others who do. And in my friend group, someone will sometimes bring someone who, like, like yeah, I've been teaching them EDH. This is going to be their first game with other people. And, yeah, we'll do very much that same kind of a thing. Um, and, and I think part of that is – and that's kind of been a big part of this whole conversation is – there's a very big difference between sitting down with strangers versus playing with a group of friends, you know, and – to me, I mean, the best way to do that is, like, get people over on a Tuesday night. I love to cook for people. But also, like, if you just go to your LGS pretty regularly, you know, you're mostly going to see the same people and you're going to develop friendships or at least, as you were saying, Niall, like, relationships of some kind and, and, and levels of trust and understanding and expectation of each other. And I think, you know, as a total, if a total newbie who no one knows comes in and asks to learn Commander, yeah, I'm probably not going to just sit them down at the game. I'm going to try and direct them in some other way. Uh, and, and when it is that new person, like really hope it's with a group of friends because <laughs> then yeah. even more so oh, it's going to be like, geez. cause yeah, cause I, I think what all the things you're saying, like there's an attitude of, yeah, okay, this won't be the most fun commander game I play, but if we do this, this new person gets to be part of our 
you know, group and they're a friend of mine. I want them to hang out with me on Tuesday nights. So, of course, let's do this. Yeah. If I if I have my pick of like, if I have to teach someone magic via commander, the way I want to do it is there's five people at the table and I am just like playing with the new person. You know, like, yeah, I am sitting over their shoulder. I'm their Yami Yugi. I am like their their guardian who's just like, I'm going to like, you're going to be making all the decisions. I'm just going to like point out what's possible. We're going to talk through options together. I'm going to make sure you're not going to get bullied at the table. I'm going to make sure that you're, you stay okay. Uh, Yeah. I think that's, that's, I think the best way if like you have to bring a new person into commander. Very much so. Very much so. So I want to bring up one last question, and then in our member-only section, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about community building and things like that. And uh, Niall, I know uh, the stuff that uh, Niall has talked, and I know the stuff that Niall has talked about, about specifically doing queer content. I want to ask her about that. And so that'll be in the member-only section. The last thing I want to ask is, and this comes off of, of, of a point you made now, but also, Will, I think this will be relevant to you. Let me give it a bit of background here. Some of the terms that are used in magic are spike and um, what are the other psychographics that I'm... Timmy? Yeah, Timmy. And um, the the idea of them is that um, magic did the study of like trying to understand all the different reasons why people play magic. And that spikes were the people who, now you were talking about, like who the primary joy they get out of magic is winning. And that Timmy is more kind of, I think, what uh, – I'm probably getting it wrong because there's Timmy and there's a third – Johnny is a third one. Mm-hmm. And and one of them is they really want to express themselves with their deck. And and a third one is like kind of the stuff you were talking about, Will, if you want to do something like wild and crazy with your deck that you haven't gotten to see. And I got into magic around the time that that discourse was really strong. It's kind of faded over time. But one of the things that people told me a lot about Commander is it's a place to get away from the spikes. And mm. – I admit that I like I'm I'm saying this in a little bit of a kind of like self la- laughing at myself way because I think it's a little unfair, but I think there was a strong attitude of, yeah we don't we don't want that kind of competitive idea at our table. This is something that no spike is ever going to have fun at because they're going to lose seventy five percent of the time probably, uh, or else we need to talk about their deck level or their play style. Uh, <laughs> and Niall is making uh, eyebrow movements that I wish we were on video for. Um, <laughs> I, I have this feeling, Niall, that if you'd come to my play group, you'll like lose the first couple times and then just dominate. We'll all feel like we got hustled, but it'll be fantastic. So <laughs> She'll sit I'm up. Okay with She'll that. just be like, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, quick aside, one thing I've learned playing poker is, because there again, like the way I play poker with my friends and the way I play poker at a casino is very different. But I intentionally try to be very entertaining at mm-hmm. a casino because mm-hmm. I want people to feel like they're getting they're getting their money's worth because <laughs> they're probably going to give their money to me, but I want them to feel entertained. Um Anyway, my point is, I think, and I think so for a lot of people, there was this kind of like, this is our place away from the spikes because we're frustrated that so much of magic is all about the spikes. And and this was many years ago. Like today, I think if you go to a magic event, especially the magic cons, but anything, there's a lot of commander out there and there's commander decks and, and all this stuff. But commander used to feel like the redheaded stepchild. And I say that as a redhead who has a stepparent. <laughs> um and I think that was part of why a lot of us kind of got our hackles up when we first started when, when CEDH first started coming in. And I think there was problems on both sides. I think a lot of people were 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 upset about it. And I've definitely come to a much better place. And and now hearing a story like yours of someone who can really have that competitive mindset, but also enjoy other things, um, it helps a lot. And so I want to hear just from you, but also from you, Will. Like, 
how do you shift that mindset? Because, or, or, or maybe a way to start is when you're in that mindset of I want to win and that's what's going to give me joy, I imagine losing isn't the most fun thing in the world. And so how do you how do you deal with losing when you're in that competitive mindset, but also then how do you change the mindset so that you can find a different kind of fun? Well, so for for me, um, and I have been referred to before as a spikopath to give you a concept <laughs> of like okay. Okay. how I approach how I approach this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, losing does not bother me, especially mm-hmm. especially losing in competitive situations. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't really bug me. It doesn't get me down. If anything, it drives me to want to play more. It's like my whole, Mm. my whole thing is just like, if you beat me, I'm just going to think about like, what could I have done better? You know, like I'm always, my competition is always against myself. You know, like my competition is always, what could I have done differently or better? Um, and sometimes the answer is not a whole lot. Sometimes the answer is, well, maybe if I had taken this line, who knows where I would have ended up that game. And Mm -hmm. that just, that excites me. That like keeps me invested in it. You know, I think if you really get down about losing, then the competitive scene just like isn't for you. Like you just, you're not gonna, you're not gonna have a good time because you're forged in fire through losing in that scene. Um, It also super doesn't bother me in Commander because there's three other people there. You know, it's chaos. Even if I'm like playing my heart out, I still like I'm I'm at the mercy of three people, you know, like yeah. you now I don't think I'm losing 75% of my games, which is why I was giving you <laughs> eyebrows before, but I, I get it. I get it. Um, but yeah, I the hard thing for me when I was first getting into commander was getting like getting into the mindset that not everyone is a crazy little psychopath like me you know like mm-hmm. not everyone like some people are affected by losing and that's okay like it's not it's not bad if you feel bad about losing um but you know just like assuming getting, you're a decent person about it sure yeah yeah as long as you're not like right. salting off at the table um but it's okay to be invested in what you're doing like sure yeah but um you know having to get into the mindset of like oh you know like these people aren't extracting fun out of like getting all of their spells answered you know like they don't they don't like it that i haven't answered all their threats um that's just like not that's like learning how to approach it in a way that was most entertaining for everyone at the table was tricky it was tricky to turn off like the competitive part um but once i was able to like it's a very it's it's a very fun like board game experience i feel playing commander like it's just it's a fun way to see like what weird stuff people brought, what weird brews people came up with. Um, it's fun to get to like be the threat and like do a little bit of spiky stuff and, you know, mm-hmm. pop off a little bit and have like three people try to stop you. Even when they succeed, you're like, that was fun. Like I got to be the heel. Yeah. I got to I got to be the thing everyone wanted to kill. It was a fun time. Yeah, I guess <laughs> the I don't mind if um, if I lose a good game. Like if everyone's doing their thing and I I went in hard and I lost, that's gonna sit with me mentally, and I'm going to go through all the different other uh, paths I could have run to try to change the outcome of that game. Um, 
as far as feeling that com- the the negative side of competitive nature uh what bugs me is playing with people that that i don't want to say something just mean but like uh we read the board differently <laughs> um uh if you have someone who doesn't have much and you see akalia on the board and from their personal experience they're like oh goblins are the devil we gotta get rid of that <laughs> like i'm clearly not the threat you don't need to cancel <laughs> my my couple of goblin tokens if we're sitting here dealing with a collie that's about to get rid of her some summoning sickness like that bugs me but if it's with strangers i can't say anything um <laughs> when if we're playing online on somebody's switch usually there's way more communication and and talking through everybody's decisions and that doesn't typically happen it's really at the cons where someone's just like well i don't like what you're doing and just will from my perspective make a terrible decision that just leads to someone else just running over the board because now no one is equipped to deal with it from and and the competitive side of me comes out internally i don't take it out on anyone but just like that was a terrible decision and that's really <laughs> that that bugs me to to my core <laughs> um and so from the com- from not competitive edh perspective but just the competitive nature in myself that's kind of where it comes out but that same nature is what makes me want to be a better player it it's what makes me want to learn how to pilot my deck differently it it's what makes me uh overall become in my opinion a better magic player and so i'm okay i'll take i'll take that negative with the more positive um and uh i think i i feel like in commander you get more opportunities to explore that side of I get more opportunities to explore uh, that competitive side of me because every game is so different that like Mm. the situation, the board is going to be so different every single time. Someone's going to have a better draw. Someone's going to play their deck better or differently. Um, Someone's going to switch the, the deck that they want to play in game two and that's fine. And then we're, it's going to be a completely different situation. And because no two games are the same until you run a deck that's all fetches in one win con, then um, you can, you, you learn to um, be mentally adaptive, which then makes it so your deck is super adaptive. So you can be a Yugi Yami for yourself (laughs) and Mm -hmm. like a Karibo actually has a place in your deck for some reason, because it's going to take down a slifer, this guy or whatever, like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just yeah. it's it's so much fun uh and and the only way i feel that's going to happen is if you kind of if you embrace the natural competitive side in 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 yourself but you keep it in control so you're not lashing out at people and flipping tables you're using that yeah. to drive yourself to be a better magic player yeah i think you're so you're so right will there like you know, in some ways, and a lot of this podcast is my kind of apology to Spike, so my apology to CEDH. <laughs> you're great people. Sometimes you're just not the people I want to play magic with, or sometimes you can be, because you can be a Spike and a Timmy. I mean, I'm 
I'm certainly a spike and a Timmy when it comes to poker, you know, and so I, I, I get that a lot more now. But I think that's it's also just OK to be like, you know, but because I think a part of what I'm getting out of this is that a lot of things that we were thinking of back then when we thought about like we don't want spikes at our table was we don't want sore losers at our table. And and that a spike doesn't mean that by any means. It, it often, though, can go together. But also you can have other people like a Timmy can be very salty if they don't get to do the thing their deck wants to do. But like I don't think I ever realized I was doing this until we were really thinking about it. But I, I remember now when I was playing at a store quite often. I would generally not – like, I would invite good friends of mine because I already knew them and, and trusted how they were going to act. But if I was playing Magic against someone, even if I knew they wanted to play EDH, I probably wouldn't invite them to my home games until I'd seen them lose a couple games. And I'd mm. seen how they responded. And if they were able to lose and be like, oh, good game, you know. Uh, the person who I played, like, she had this great, great deck and I just I, – I learned, you know, I, I couldn't beat it. So I got to put these cards in my deck so I can beat her next time. Like, Yeah. That sounds like going to be a great, you know, if the person's like, oh, my God, it's so unfair. I can't believe they printed that card and, and they played this card. And it was unfair or they 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 must have cheated or something like that. Yeah, I don't want you at my ADH table. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Well, this has been an awesome conversation. Thank you all. Uh, do either of you have any kind of last things you want to say about the, the community stuff we're building or Rule Zero or Sheldon or any kind of like last wrapping all this up? Yeah. So the last things I guess I'll say about this is... I think Commander is a very fun format. I think it is as fun as the people you're playing with. And with any relationship, it's all about finding the people who mesh with you and the people that you get along with and play well with. And as long as you do that, you're going to have a great time. Yeah. uh, Any last from you? Yeah, to to play off of that, I, I, I love magic. And I've... Just, just weird tangent. Just like how track and field in high school is the only like co-ed sport, and so you just it brings the most random groups of people together for the same purpose. Magic has been that for me in my adult life. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I've met more diverse people um, from all kinds of different walks of life and different hobbies and, and circle and like friends groups playing magic just sitting down at a pod and just getting to know the people across from me and next to me um than any other thing hobby i've ever done marvel people you come across generally the same type of person star wars people you come across very strongly opinionated people a lot like (laughs) i'm not very strongly opinionated person how dare you think that you're exactly right uh but but then you come, you you sit down at a magic table, and you have one person who is completely uh, decked out in cosplay. You have another one in like nursing scrubs. You have someone in their PJs, and you have someone wearing like a three piece suit. And we're all sitting down having a fun casual game together, and that is so cool. And I highly encourage anyone who is even relatively interested in checking out commander and or magic to at least at least look into it and and see if something about that that world uh brings you in yeah i think it's such a great way to put it and i think it's it it is for me it has been the basis of a lot of my friendships it's been where a lot of my friends were founded or or grew since i got into podcasting that's changed in a lot of other ways too but 
and I just kind of want to end with just like honoring again Sheldon and I think he became kind of the public face and I want to say that like there's a lot of other people on the rules committee and I know a lot of other great minds went into all the stuff with rule zero but just that it is it is such a great concept it's not a perfect concept as you both I think had a great thing to say about will you uh, will you know you pointed out all these things about like you can have a rule zero con- conversation but if you're using different language even if it's the same words it's not going to go anywhere like a lot of times I think Rule Zero is about establishing a community that plays together again and again, not just strangers, but you can do it with strangers too. And, and also now, as you said, even after Rule Zero, when you find that you're not on the same page, you can adjust and, and that's important too. But I just like, I think it's such a great idea for, for any kind of community, like any kind of gathering, you know, hey, we're going on a hike. Okay. Does that mean that we're going to hike for like two hours and then drink a <laughs> bunch of beers? Or does it mean that we're like going to go for eight hours? You know, what's, what's the idea here? Um, you know, we're going to the Ren Fair. Uh, I can deal with an hour, like two hours of that. Someone else can deal with five hours of that. Have the rule zero conversation. It's just such a great concept. So, and we're going to kind of build off of what Will was just saying there about community and stuff and the work that Niall is doing uh, in our members only section. But for people who aren't members uh, and want to just learn more about the two of you, um, Niall, starting with you, where else can people find your content? Yes, I'm on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok. You can find me on all those at Niall Joan Rivers. Um, I post a lot of different kind of magic stuff. I post comp stuff. I post EDH stuff. I'm all over the place. I play it all. I love it all. Uh, it's yep. all It's all really, really, really queer. And for those who are magic people, you will be at uh, uh, Magic Con Vegas. Am I correct? I'll be at Magic Con Vegas. I'll also be at Commander Sealed this weekend. I fly out in the morning um, for anyone. I mean, this will be, I'm sure, you know, it'll be long gone since mm-hmm. by the time this comes out. But uh, yeah, I'll be at Commander Sealed. I'll be at Vegas. And I will be at DreamHack Atlanta in December. Awesome. Awesome. And Will, uh, where can people get hyped up about comics, especially in a time when a lot of us are not watching comic book movies and TV shows, but want to go back to the original source? Where can they go? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I have a podcast as well. It's called Hype is My Superpower. Me and my best buddy, Steve, who actually taught me magic back in 94, um, uh, have we talk about uh, Marvel Comics. He's reading all every single mutant comic that's come out. I'm reading all of the current comics that are coming out. And we just talk, so we talk about it together. And it's a lot of fun. Um, outside of that, I'm on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, other places probably. Um, oh, I have SilverDreamer.com. So as SilverDreamer, uh, Silver with a Y, um, if you are interested in anime, Marvel, Lego, uh, random hobbies, and... Um, uh, especially Marvel, uh, come and find me. Let's be friends. Yeah. Well, and and uh, this has actually uh, given me a great new idea because Will and Steve have both been frequent guests on both of my podcasts, and I've had so much fun. They're they're nice enough. Talk about Rule Zero to let me talk with them about comics, even though I don't read comics. I just my brain doesn't work that way. But we should have a, uh, an episode about what would a Rule Zero conversation look like for the X Men for the Avengers, for the Fantastic Four, like what, you know, all these different comic groups, what should their rule zero conversation be? Because Steve, I know, was also wanted to be on this and he couldn't. So that that's an episode you've just volunteered for. Congratulations. Okay. Um, (laughs) Well, and everybody else, um, as I said, members are going to have more content in a second. But everyone else, if you want to, if this is your first time listening to this, you can find more about my podcasts at theethicalpanda.com. That's where you can find all the ways to give us feedback. I'm on Twitter. I'm on TikTok. I will eventually be on some non-Twitter thing. As I said, I will jump off the ship when everyone agrees what is the ship we're all jumping off to. Uh, I just I, I have a Blue Sky account. I have a Vine account or whatever it's called. I just can't monitor all of them. 
But definitely do check all those out. Uh, it's a great way to give us feedback. It's a great way to share the show with others. And in the show notes, you'll also find all the links to that, as well as all the links to my two awesome creators who are with me today. You'll also find ways to become a member of this podcast. Uh, for only $5 a month, you get ad-free content, you get bonus content, and you get to support this podcast. Um, and one of the things that I'm doing right now is that during the strike, 25% of all the money that I get in from that, I'm donating to the strike fund. Uh, this is a great fund that's working to help all the people who are affected by the Hollywood strike, both the writers and the actors themselves, but also, you know, the caterers, the hairstylists, the the people who, you know, the, the, the security people, all the folks who are also out of a job because they're not working on the sets where these people are on strike. So it's a great time to become a member. And the last thing I'll promote, and granted, you're only going to hear this about two days in advance, but hopefully it will work. If you're going to MagicCon Vegas and you're getting there Thursday and you're looking for something to do Thursday night, on Thursday night, I'm running a charity function called Charity the Gathering Vegas. If you go to our website, charitythegathering.com, you'll find out all the information or you can find us on Twitter at under Charity the Gathering. Uh, it's an event to benefit uh, Trans Lifeline. Uh, and we're, we're do this, we're, this is a third event we're, we're, we're doing. We're going to do a number of these events going forward, uh, all to benefit queer and, and related causes, because something that's really important to me and really important to, to so much of the um, magic community is trans causes and queer causes. And uh, we have commander pods. We're going to have limited pods. We're going to have a number of creators are going to be there doing a like, hey, jump into this pod with this person or uh, jump into a commander draft with this person. So it's going to be a lot of fun. If you're free on Thursday night, go to charitythegathering.org, check all the information out, and it'll be right there, and hopefully you can join us Thursday night. So on behalf of myself, Will, Niall, thank you all so much for listening. We have spoken. 